0: You're listening to the IDP Heat Seekers podcast, part of the RotoHeat.com family of podcasts. Back everybody to the IDP Heat Seekers show. I am your host Brad Menendez. As always, with me, my two main men, my partners in crime, my three amigos, uh, Craig Reith and Paul Belboom. Craig, deal. how you doing, sir?
1: Good. It's uh, getting towards the end of my time off here. Still getting some stuff done around the house. Went for a nice walk with the family today to get outside. The weather's been beautiful, so can't really complain. It's the end of the week. How are you doing? The
0: weather has definitely been spectacular. It was uh, it was like 90s the first couple days this week, and then it's cooled off and been sunnies and 70s, and that's, I'll take it. It's kind of starting to feel like fall. Yep. Paul, how's it going for you, man?
2: Yeah, we're filming this on a Friday night, and I'm glad it's Friday. Um, yeah, it's been a long week, but... Hey, we get football next week. I I know it doesn't feel like it. We talked before the show and it doesn't feel like it, but we get actual hard-hitting football. That's not the school of the blind versus the school of the deaf, which is all we're getting this weekend for college. So, but hey, live football. It's,
0: it's, something's better than nothing at this point. I mean, otherwise you got to keep watching other leagues with all their banter and protests and all that. I want football. I want people to hit each other. I don't need slogans and sayings and everything. I just want football. Uh, You know, and it'll be interesting to see week one, how many guys get hurt, how weird things look, because in theory, they really haven't faced anyone but themselves. So you start to think about how bad people look in the preseason. Well, the first three, four weeks of the year, is going to be like preseason football. Yep. So
1: going to be very interesting, especially you know, on the IDP side of it. You're probably going to have sloppier play, which possibly a higher scoring games, which uh, will hurt your team defenses. Which is another good reason not to have them and to switch to IDP. So,
2: yeah, I actually think the other side of that. I think because it's going to be sloppier, the defense has an edge. You're also going to see a bunch of 80-yard scores the first week, second week also because you didn't have a preseason
0: well and i mean it's you know guys knocking the rust off in practice and training camp is so much different than in live game action when the bullets are flying i mean it's just it is what it is you know think of Warzone. the in-game lobby is super fun everybody's getting killed but then as soon as you get into the real deal bullets are flying i mean it's a whole nother ball game so that's your one call of duty reference for me tonight
2: Huh. Ex- except for when you time out when there are five left like what happened with me about half an hour ago I may have uh, let out a four letter word
0: may have you know, to, I'd play with you enough to know that you let out <laughs> plenty of words many letters your vocabulary yeah. is extremely extremely deep um, speaking of extremely deep roster cuts have happened the season is getting close, and we know it's that time of year where guys lose jobs, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but there have actually been some IDP-relevant roster cuts. Um, Ha-Ha Clinton-Dix, Dallas safety, which, you know, some say are speculating it's because they're going to get Earl Thomas and this, that, and the other. Who knows? Um, I, I, I agree. I think Earl Thomas is a, is a weird move for them. Uh, but ha Clinton-Dix, however you feel about him, He's a tackle machine. That's the one thing he was good at. He wasn't necessarily great at any other area, but he was a tackle machine for a while there in Green Bay. Um, Obviously, Dallas was very short-lived. The Demarius Randall experience in Oakland, or Las Vegas is over, not Oakland, um, which could very well mean that Jonathan Abrams is healthy and good to go because I know Randall was kind of an insurance policy for, um, for Jonathan Abrams. How do you guys feel about some of those, those two cuts? I know that there have been some other ones that were made, but um, Craig, I'll start with you. Either of those guys, what do you think about that, and what do you think about what it means for the teams that left that left them?
1: The Raiders' secondary is going to be a mess. Um, they had signed Prince and Mukumura, I believe, and then cut him earlier in the offseason. Um, I, th- I guess they're going to go with Abram and Harris at safety. Yeah, they still have both of them. Um, Conley, was it Arnett? Arnett Conley was the guy that drafted a couple of years Conley, ago and he somewhere in Houston,
2: else. Right at Houston.
1: But uh, Ar- Damon Arnett, I think, broke his thumb or something and he's going to have a club. Uh, so it's going to be a really uh, nice secondary, I think, to target for offenses. Um, it's going to be a mess back there. But if Abram is healthy and even Harris potentially could put up points because, you know, those teams, you look at you have the, the Chiefs, of course, with what they do. And then the Denver offense, if they can protect Locke, and he's half as good as they're hoping he's going to be, I mean they're going to be putting up points too. Yep. So um, it's also good for the Raiders' offense. They're going to have to be throwing the ball and putting up points too, probably, to stay up with teams. So um, I think it it was. Just baffling from a depth perspective with having someone with experience back there letting Randall go. And HaHa getting cut. I mean, there was a lot of talk that he just did not show well in camp. It was a one-year deal. They weren't heavily invested in him. So I can't say I was shocked that they cut him. Um, I don't really know if it's a prelude to Earl Thomas or not. Yeah, he, Just injecting him at this point in the year into that locker room. you know, It worked for Baltimore for a year, so are they going to give him a one-year deal? He's probably looking for more than that, but... Yeah, I, I really have no information or idea on what they're doing other than it looks like you have Woods and then someone else currently. What's say you,
2: Um, I'm absolutely terrified of Darnell Savage. Ha-Ha as a first-rounder comes in, not good. Randall comes in, first-rounder, not good. I'm scared as a Packer fan. As I say that, I'm wearing a Raiders... Jersey but you know I I like football over I like my t- teams so but yeah um what Craig said I'm a little concerned that haha might be finished I mean I'm not concerned but I'm concerned for him when 60% of your salary is owed with releasing him that's, that's not what you want to see so no. I think it's over for him um Dallas will probably pick someone up. I don't think it's gonna be Thomas, but I think they'll pick someone up. We'll find out probably Sunday when everyone releases everyone and t- trades and signs and and the roster dance happens. but um, Randall it, it's concerning, but I mean, he's a c minus talent anyways, so we'll yeah. see.
0: But I think the only real IDP relevant one otherwise was uh, Denver releasing Todd Davis, uh, linebacker. I thought that was surprisingly surprising move, quite honestly, with what they've got there. Um, I thought Davis was going to have some some decent IDP value. Um, I'll start with you, Paul. What is your take on it and, and what does that tell you for the rest of the, the, rest of the defense that is there?
2: It, I'm confused. It's not like they have a lot else. Johnson is there. I know there are some that are super high on him, and I'm eh. I liked him when he was at Tennessee, but eh. I think he might be a very nice fantasy player, despite being meh from an actual football perspective. There's someone who I I can see adding someone before Saturday night, Sunday night, whenever – the shuffles finished.
0: Well, they did They did trade uh, the Bengals. They traded for uh, Austin yeah. Car- Carlito. Calitro? I don't remember how to say yeah. his name. Yeah, Calitro. 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 If
1: we're having
2: issues pronouncing these guys' names...
0: It tells you what you need to know. Boy, not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, it tells you that it's Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson are your inside linebackers when they're in yeah. the 3-4. And then, obviously, in sub packages, it's probably Miller and Chubb or Miller and Jewell, you know, something like that. What's your take, Craig?
1: I don't know that I'd be excited about this if I was a Denver fan, but I think Mark Barron's going to have a role is what it's telling me. You know, he's someone that has sort of that secondary experience that got put at linebacker. So I think you're going to see him on the field a quite a bit more than people have thought. Josie Jewell was – I think it was one of those guys that was all right in coverage, but just wasn't doing anything else for the team. So I'm a bit surprised that they want to be starting him. But I mean with Todd Davis cut uh, and the other guy Sternad, they thought was going to potentially have a position without uh, Davis there for a few weeks weeks prior. Um, he's out for the year, so they had to do something. Um, but Mark Barron, fantasy wise, he might be all right actually to have if you're you know picking up a fourth or fifth linebacker. Um, if he is on the field that much in passing downs. But real life, I don't think it's good news for the Broncos. I think that linebacking core outside of Miller and Chubb is just going to continue to be a mess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like this is, uh, you know, and from the offensive side, um, you know, people have been asking me a lot about Jacksonville and Washington and these backfields that have a lot of different pieces. And I'm like, listen, it's, it's very similar Denver Broncos linebackers. It's transitional. Like these guys maybe who are here this year, but I can easily see and make the case that they draft better replacements next year or sign better replacements next year. These are just kind of one year guys. So when you're thinking about your, your dynasties or your redrafts, like just put it in the one-year bubble. Like these guys probably are okay for one year, may not get you much more after that. So if you're a contender, you can get them and, and maybe their depth or bi-week fill-ins. If you're rebuilding, maybe you can sell it to somebody who can use them and get a pick or something, you know, maybe. I mean, that's stretch, but it depends on your league, obviously, like we always say. Know your league, know, know all that stuff. So, <clears throat> Ultimately, we know tonight we're going to talk edge rankings, but football is back. We talked a little bit about it. We're excited. Less than a week from now, we'll see uh, the, the Super Bowl champ chiefs and the Houston Tekken Texans, Texans, te- 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 texans go at it on thursday night football what are your guys thinking what what are your thoughts about the upcoming week is there anything you're excited about i know paul said he hasn't even started looking at his lineups i have not either i have not set a lineup yet for any of my lineups i probably won't start looking until after the weekend anyway since it's labor day weekend i'm gonna chill out relax probably barbecue have some friends over just enjoy the weekend Uh, but craig how are you feeling about the beginning of the season Is there anything you're excited about um Give me your thoughts, and, and, and as we kick off the NFL season, before we go in edge rankings,
1: I'm kind of interested to see how some of these, and you, like you mentioned, you're going to see more of this as the weekend progresses. But these situations that sort of are a mess to begin with, what sort of clarity are we going to get in them? Um, one of them that I'm keeping an eye on that I think could be interesting from a fantasy perspective is that Jaguar's secondary. You know, they just got rid of um, Ronnie Harrison for a fifth-round pick, which I'm fine with that. You know, for the Browns, I think you're getting a guy that has some talent he has been able to produce. You needed someone else there at safety for him, so I'll continue to like him in the spot there. It's actually, he's going to a situation with worse linebackers in front of him, um, so that could be helpful for him. But who steps up in that secondary? Um, I think they said it's Jared or Gerard Wilson, it seems like is one of the starters but a guy that I like there that I'm kind of I can pick up and just get for free for places this year to be productive is Andrew Wingard out of he had been out of Wyoming, I think. And he he was somewhere like in the top 15 most tackles all time or something like that when he played in college. Like he was just a tackle machine. And if he's able to get on the field out there, um, there's gonna be tackles available too, because you know, we've talked about that defensive line isn't great. Outside of Showberg, you got some question marks, a linebacker there, too. So um, just seeing how these positional battles end up going, because like you said, we don't have the preseason to get this stuff sorted out. We're just going to have to see it play out in real time, which is uh, in some ways kind of more fun. Just, you know, I don't watch the preseason at all, so I don't really see those battles. You just see the result of it. We're here if you're watching the games. You know, a guy who blows a couple big plays, he might be out of a starting job for the year. He might might be relegated to being a backup. So, what do you think, Paul?
2: Um, from a Jaguars pers- uh, perspective, I'm actually closetly excited for CJ Henderson. F- uh, from a fantasy perspective, they might be on the field a lot, and I can't see them not having him be on the wide receiver one. He might be. Very exciting from a fantasy perspective, but I thought the same about Harrison. Um, he'll be playable there. Um, uh, we'll see how fast he assimilates mentally. Um, but he should be someone, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Harrison now in Cleveland. I'm sorry, but um, we'll see how fast he assimilates, but uh, Cleveland might be on the field a lot uh, defensively, also. So, I like that spot. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of him, but that's a good fantasy spot. I know, Brad, you're a fan. How'd you feel about yeah, that? Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, I think, I think it's. I, at first, I was not happy with with Harrison going to Cleveland, but as I listened to Craig Moore, he kind of won me over. Uh, you know, and, and even tonight when he, when he just mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, because their linebackers are weaker, things could be better. You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I have Ronnie Harrison shares in a few places because I picked him up last year and I'm sitting on him. Uh, my hope is that he can return value. You know, my, the other concern, though, is after this year, Grant Alpa comes back. What does that look like? They have, you know, they have Carl Joseph there. They've got, you know, they've got other people. It's like. Okay, so then after this year, it gets a little more murky. Obviously, they gave up a draft pick, so they have some interest in what, how, what that looks like for the long term. I mean, it was only a fifth. It's not like it's, they've lost something significant. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think as we move into the season, the thing I'm the most interested in seeing is how these rookies all acclimate because, you know, they didn't get any real NFL action. So they're all coming into week one. Some of these teams are going to lean on rookies, like you mentioned, like C.J. Henderson. They're going to lean on some of these rookies, and they're going to throw them into the fire. And I'm interested to see if these guys sink or swim, you know, because think about perfect example is always David Carr. You know, he got to Houston, was the top pick, the world was on his shoulders, and he just buckled under the pressure and getting sacked a thousand times a year. And just, it was just terrible for him. Like how are these rookies yeah. going to handle this kind of pressure, this kind of competition, not having any real game reps prior to the season and just getting training camp and it's kind of watered down and, uh, that's the thing that's most intriguing to me. Obviously, as a fantasy, fantasy owner, I'm interested to see how my teams do. I've been working on building these teams all offseason, what do they look like. But from an NFL perspective, I don't see how these rookies do. Uh, some of these guys, I think, could shine. Um, and I think some teams are smart. Like, I think the Chargers are smart to kind of say, listen, Herbert's just going to sit all year, because I'm not even sure he'll be good even once he gets on the field, because he's not a very vocal, strong leader. So, you know, for me, I like teams that are already saying, listen, these guys are just going to hold back, and then these other teams are just throwing these guys into the fire like my Lions. Let me just see what they do with Jeff Okuda. Uh, if they throw him into the fire and he sinks, did we just waste the top five pick because the guy now is shell-shocked and can't handle the pressure, you know, so... That's my biggest excitement about the year. Craig, what do you think about all that? Are you interested? Are there rookies Is that you're jumping?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess on the offensive side, you can see more of the, the guys just completely bombing and losing their career. You don't see that as much on the defensive end because I think there's just more of a microscope placed on positions like quarterback, running back, as opposed to, you know, Logan Phillips or something like that you know the average NFL player is not going to know who he is and not going to be out there looking at him they're only going to know his name if he does something amazing or something terrible and gets called out on national tv or in the highlights so you know from the defensive end of it I think they get a little bit more leeway Um, but it's going to be harder to find those guys that if you aren't doing your homework if you're just hoping uh We'll see how things go. You don't have those training camp notes like you used to Is oh, this is how this guy did in this game. This is how he did in the next game. Here's how he's comparing. It really is just going to be learning on the fly. So I think in your leagues you're going to see a lot more of people making uh, gut reaction transactions based off of the first week just because, you know, if you look at some of these games here, you know, you have Buffalo playing the Jets, you know. You're probably not going to be paying attention to that game a whole lot, but if you're looking at it and someone blows up you know, on the Buffalo defensive line that you weren't expecting because they're playing the Jets, is someone going to go out there and waste a whole bunch of money? As you see it every year on the offensive side. First week or two, someone has a hot game and then just, for lack of a better phrase, craps the bed the rest of the season. You do see that a little bit, too, on the defensive line. I mean, Marcus Hunt had that with the Colts. I think it was two years ago where he had a like, really hot first five weeks and then cooled off. I don't think he's even on the team anymore to be honest. So you run into those things, but that's where you're going to have to be discerning and actually sort of do your research even before you make those transactions. I, I'm guilty of it myself, especially in training camp. On the offensive side of it, that's why I do these defensive shows, as Paul knows. Uh, I listen to gut reactions a lot more um, on the offensive side than I should have, and I'm more discerning on the defensive side. So make of that what you will for me. But I think, like you said, without all this buildup, you're going to have guys that are going to have to slow down and uh, pay attention more, which, quite frankly the way the world is, I think it's a lot harder for people to just slow down and pay attention to things. So what do you think, Paul?
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder. I a hundred, I'm a hundred percent behind you on the defensive end. You get more of a mulligan in the first season because no one's rostering you for fantasy purposes. Um, Yes, this is a defensive-only show, but if you play IDP, it also means that you play offense. Um, But And it's extremely rare for defensive-only leagues. I mean, you hardly ever see them, but you see offense-only leagues for, what, 95% of leagues out there? So you don't get that public leeway that you would have um it's kind of sad um but it is what it is you kind of look at him and go oh well he didn't uh perform oh shucks and move on and you look at it on the offensive side and go i wasted my first or second on this guy he sucks and i hate him and, and his uh, family's horrible and yeah like you just you have to sit back and relax a little bit but yeah, I agree with what you're saying 100%. You're going to see some uh, some odd scoring um, the first week, and you can't overreact. We do it every year. We say uh, uh, we won't, but
0: we still uh, we still do. Yep, All right, so, Paul, why don't you wrap us up on the news part? See, you know, we're 20 minutes in, and we've kind of bounced all over the news. What uh, What else do we got that we need to talk about? Okay,
2: since we're filming this on a Friday night, because Monday we had audio problems, basically this is going to be the the I'm not a doctor segment, but here's the news. Uh, Derwin James probably out for the year with a knee injury, not a doctor. Uh, Yannick in Kikakwe, um is in Minnesota, maybe because Hunter is out for one game or the season. We're not doctors. We like the move from a Minnesota perspective outside of their salary, but that's a different perspective. Uh, Fred Warner got placed on COVID list. Not a doctor. Xavier uh, Howard is off the list. Good for him. Um, Mac Wilson's out four uh, to six weeks. I've seen reports it might be sooner, it might be later. Again, hashtag not a doctor. Uh, the only one from a fantasy perspective that interested me was the Logan Ryan sign. Um, he'll probably play f- free safety, maybe slot with the Jets. Um, I like it from a fantasy perspective because he does play every spot on the field defensively. Um, I know you guys weren't, again, we did the show earlier in the week and it didn't work. We're doing it on Friday for technical reasons, but how did you guys feel about that? Not to spoil it, but there we go.
0: Yeah. I'm, you know, the, the more I've sat and thought on it, the more I'm like, I don't, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent. Like I kind of typically as I get closer to the season, I have guys that I'm, that I've kind of dialed in on. I'm really, I'm really focused on like Logan Ryan doesn't move the needle enough for me to jump on him. You know, I did see a few people try to trade him in leagues that I'm in now that he signed. I wasn't biting. Uh, you know, he, if you if he wasn't on a roster and he was a free agent, I would be perfectly fine with you swooping him up because he'll definitely get you points. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to go get him. But, Craig, what do you think? Is there, How do you feel about it?
1: He's a free agent. And you can get him without, to me, wasting your waiver priority because I don't like unless someone drops a stud for some reason, which just you don't see that in leagues. I don't like using waiver priority on defensive players. I like picking the pile afterwards. So if you can get him for free as a free agent, I'm fine with it. But yeah, I'm not making a move to get him because, you know, Paul talked about this earlier in the summer and later spring. If he was this amazing, why wasn't he on a team sooner? You know, he's probably not going to be there for more than a year. And yeah, he might be all right for you for fantasy for a year. But I don't see the use in unless you think you're a cornerback or a defensive back away, wasting any sort of waiver priority or uh, trade value in going to get a guy like that. So I do like with the position. Again, I'm just not going to invest anything of, to me, value to go out and get him. Absolutely.
2: Yes, sir. Question. Uh, can you repeat what you said about not being signed and whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, you had said earlier in the spring and summer that, you know, when we were talking about free agents and stuff you know you didn't see him as that great of an nfl talent you were talking about why is he still out there this whole amount of time you know, even after other people were starting to get signed why did it take so long and it had to do with his value in the real you know nfl community so he's probably not because of that he's probably not going to be in the giants for more than a year here and then where does he end up what sort of a position is he in after this year
2: all right, so on that, uh, why is everyone on the offensive side suddenly think Leonard Fournette can play football?
1: Because he can play football.
2: Leonard Fournette's horrible. You heard it
0: from me. He's not uh, horrible. Screenshot it, do it. <laughs> Save it for the Tuesday night crew.
2: He's not he's not
1: worth the the pick that they took him at clearly, and that's where a lot of the perceived value comes from and why people took him in fantasy so high. But he's not a bum either. I mean he's produced great fantasy years for players, so
0: true story. So the meat of this All show right. and, and before before we get into the meat of it. Thank you to everybody who watches on YouTube. Thank you for everybody who subscribed to the podcast and listen every week. Um, tell all your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your parents, everybody to listen, like, subscribe, do all the YouTube stuff that we talk about on our streams and shows. Uh, that being said, tonight we're gonna talk uh, some edge rankings. You know, we're, during the in season, uh, we're gonna try to keep the show to around 40, 50-ish minutes. So we're gonna spend probably the next 10, 15 minutes just talking guys that we like edge-wise guys that we're interested in, and maybe some guys that we're not really excited about. So um, we started off with Paul on Monday night, and and in honor of that, we'll start with Paul again tonight. Paul, give us kind of your top, I think it was your top five guys, if I remember correctly, and let's talk about them.
2: Yeah, so I did 15 of each the redraft and Dynasty rankings. Full disclosure, I used uh, Flea Flicker. I've heard, I've even seen... Flea Flicker uh, move Marcus Golden from defensive line to line backer in one of of the leagues we play where we don't have edge, sadly. But this is for the edge rankings only for Flea Flicker and I know Sleeper has it. If Sleeper has someone who I don't have on my list, hey, sorry, I don't have a Sleeper. I don't have any leagues on Sleeper, so. But hopefully they're all the same. But um, redraft, the top five are TJ Watt, Chandler Jones, Joey Bosa, Daniil Hunter. Hopefully he's healthy. Again, hashtag not a doctor. Um, And uh, Mason Rudolph's head. So um, quick thoughts. What do you guys think about those five guys from a redraft perspective
0: i feel bad for mason Rudolph's head that's for sure (laughs) um yeah i don't i mean i don't i necessarily so if this is a redraft daniel hunter has to slide down from me until i know he's healthy but if he's healthy then i'm perfectly fine with that um i would i would probably consider you know if you have to bump daniel hunter down you know nick bosa is certainly a serviceable replacement I mean, there's a couple guys that you could slide up in there uh, but otherwise, the list is fine. Those are all guys that are going to produce at a high level, week in and week out. You know, when you're looking at the edge side of things, the upper upper 10 to 15 guys tend to be really nice, solid producers. So I don't think about it. Um, you know Nick Bosa tends to be the only one that I want to throw up in there, just because I really like Nick Bosa and I think he does a. I think he's going to continue to develop and grow nicely. And that defense isn't getting any worse; like it's gotten better you know, uh, they've added pieces, they continue to grow. So, Craig, what do you think about those guys?
1: For a redraft perspective, yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, you can split hairs. Anytime you're doing a top five, I mean, it's really rare that you're going to have that cutoff where you're going to say, oh, this guy shouldn't be on there at all. This guy has to be up there. In, in principle, I'm fine with it. You know, like you said, you can have some interchangeable defensive ends down there. I, the only comment I'd have is you know, I mentioned this uh, prior, and I don't have my numbers with me, so I apologize for that. But really, your top five in any sort of edge ranking, when we were talking about the scoring that we use um, that you can find on previous streams and on the website, is that they're usually going to be that actual three, four outside linebacker. You're not really generally, unless they have a monster year. Going to be having a defensive end sneak into that top five. There may be at the very end of it, but for the most part, you know, at least historically with the scoring we've had, it's been outside linebackers. But that poses the question: Are you going for that boomer bust where you think, all right, I know I'm going to get this guy. You know, he's going to have a monster year, sort of like Shaq Barrett. People weren't expecting that out of him last year, and he just flew in there and was a you know top two edge guy. Um, I don't think that I'm smart enough to figure out those guys. You know, having TJ Watt in there makes complete sense because he's probably going to fit it and she a top five edge if he's healthy. But who are the other ones going to end up being? Chubb, Von Miller, I'd be fine if you threw him in there. Chandler Jones fits the profile that Paul talked about. Um, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Matt Judon, I mean, Khalil Mack. If you told me any of those guys ended up as a, the number one overall edge, it wouldn't surprise me that much. So it's sort of... Pick what you're looking for. Consistency, you're going to find it more in those 4-3 DNs. That you know, big explosive one week at a time, maybe a couple more off weeks, you're looking at those 3-4 outside linebackers. So it depends on which way you want to play it.
0: Paul, rebuttal? Anything?
2: No. Um, yeah, the top five there are, are pretty solid. Uh, you mentioned some mm. names that I have down below here. I'll just hit 6 through 10. Um. Cameron Jordan of the Saints. I got Nick Bosa at seven, JJ Watt at eight, Chubb at nine, and Mad Max Crosby ten. Um, was is there anyone on there that uh, that really surprises you? JJ
0: Watt does only because the dude's always hurt. So it's it's like how do you where you're gonna have to take him? Like uh, how do you you know how? How is somebody confident taking him? You know, I love his upside when he's playing, but not only is age setting in, the injuries are going to catch up to him. Like, you know, at what point does he, you know, I don't want to say fall off, but at what point do you like, all right, you know, it's just not worth the risk, unless he falls to X spot, you know. So that would be the only one where I'm like, all right, you know, I, I definitely can't argue him. I would wanna, I would also want to slide Melvin Ingram into the conversation because I really like Melvin Ingram the player. Not always so the struggle I have with him though is sometimes he's he's a little He's got the Khalil Max syndrome where he can come on for a few games in a row and then disappear. Sometimes it's injury, sometimes it's inability sometimes. It's you know, I don't know what but he's a guy that when he's on the field and and He's on he, he does pretty well um, You know, but Cleo Mack's another one of those guys where I love the talent, but why does he disappear? What about you? Ken? Yeah
1: Yeah. I mean, once you get farther down there, there's other guys that you could find. I mean, I don't know. Did you say Josh Allen, Paul?
2: I'll be mentioning him shortly, but he'd be up there.
1: Sam Hubbard would be another guy that's up there. Um, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. um, I could both see up there. And then I think Ngakwe is really based on Daniil Hunter. If it's Daniel Hunter's out for any significant amount of time. I really think that impacts Ngakwe and the fact that he's going to a new team and he doesn't have that other established guy across from, kind of like what we were talking about with Hunter, except I just don't think he's the talent that Hunter is, so it hurts some more. I'm
0: Brian Burns in the conversation as well, depending on how they, he's labeled. But, uh, so, so what I'm hearing is, even with if Daniil Hunter's out, you're not a big Ifidi, Odinabu goo or whatever his name is. The other defensive end that'll slide in across from Ngakwe, Greg, are you not, that doesn't, that doesn't wet
1: your whistle? Value-wise, I'd like him more than Ngakwe if you're talking about like the acquisition cost of him, because I think he's going to be able to produce more and that defenses aren't going to be expecting a whole lot from him and they're going to be able to focus on Ngakwe. So we don't know what's happening with Hunter, so it's hard to determine, you know, project how Ngakwe is going to do. If Hunter's starting... Clearly, Ngakwe is the other guy on the other side, and it benefits him a lot to have Hunter across from him, sort of like it did last year with Josh Allen. If it's just Ngakwe and no one else, yeesh. I mean, I'd rather take the other defensive end if you have any faith in them for, you know, a really late pick or free off the wire. Because I think, like I said, there's just not going to be the focus on the other guy. So, all
0: right, Paul. Next on your list, um, I'm the JJ. Watt
2: thing uh from a draft perspective i would rather have a shot at elite and if i miss i miss um and that's, that's why fair. he's he's as high up there as he is it, 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 it's not a situation where you're not sure he'll be playing or he'll get the numbers uh he's either active or or, or he's not yeah but uh but that's why I have him as high as I do from a redraft perspective. Um, So rounding out the top 15 here, um, Josh Allen, uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, Zadarius Smith, uh, Dupree from uh, Pittsburgh, and Harold Landry for for Tennessee. Um, I saw that you picked your eyes up at Harold Landry is that surprising well, I or? think
0: I think he's got I think he definitely has that upside and and even if you want to bump him up higher I I could see it happening especially because I like that Tennessee defense um, I think the Logan Ryan departure might 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 come back to bite him because he fit really well in that scheme but no I like I like Landry the player and I hope he continues to develop because I have high hopes one but Craig what's your thoughts
1: Once you get down there, you know, again, you're not saying any names that surprise me. I, I do like Dupree, especially, you know, across from Watt, because Watt's going to draw a lot of that away, and they have other guys that you can't just ignore, you know, Bush, Cam Hayward, uh, even it on the defensive line. Those are guys that can cause problems on their own, so it's not like you can just ignore them and focus on a guy like Dupree and or Watt. Um, a couple of guys that, you know, we're going to have to see what happens, you know, in terms of rookies, um, chase on, and then Malik Harrison, I really like, I wouldn't put him in my top 15 or 20, but if you're talking about a rookie perspective, some guys that could have an impact, it looks like Harrison's probably going to start. Clearly they have a interesting linebacking core. I know we're kind of split here on queen, but Judon had a great year last year. And it's the same thing with a defensive line. It's not like you can just ignore those guys or, you know, just put one guy or a tight end on someone like Klias Campbell and hope things work for you. So um, I think uh, Harrison especially could have a really nice rookie year this year.
2: I did not realize he was listed as an edge. I'm not saying I'd have him in my top 15 or whatever, but the fact that he's listed as an edge when he's probably in in the middle, 30% off, 40-50 maybe, that's a nice little there. I didn't
1: realize he was an edge. Yeah, I forget which side it was that had him. I can look that up, but I'm, that was I thought it was Flea Flicker. Flea-
0: flea- well, that'll be, Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize he well, was that'll be The interesting thing is is consistency with naming what's an edge, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do that these first few years that, they, that they've that they implemented it. You know, because you're going to yeah. see things like this where like, oh, well, I could argue that he isn't really, but, you know, it goes back to Craig's famous splitting hairs. Um, you're really splitting here You know, the guy is kind of
1: an edge guy, so. And your sights are going to all do it differently, to your point. I mean, Paul mentioned it at the start. Once MFL, Yahoo, ESPN might even have edge, too. I, I heard rumblings of it, but I don't have any of my defensive stuff on ESPN. But that's the problem. You know, you see it even on the offensive end. Uh, there were complaints that, was it Flea Flicker made Taysom Hill a wide receiver quarterback? And it's the same thing Joe tight Webb. End. was a tight end. Either way, you know, you see those splits, uh, there is Antoine Randall L was another fun one years ago with you know, what positionality did he have and you always see someone slip a guy in there at quarterback that okay, is he really a quarterback, but you're gonna get stats out of him for a bye week. You're going to see that a lot on defense. You probably see it more on defense, to be quite honest, just because of the nature of defenses and people aren't set; they're not married to a three-four-four-three only base. You know, a lot of teams have a nickel as their base. So, with all these changes, it's going to be very um, interesting to see the evolution across these different sites and then the industry if they make any sort of decision.
2: And if it sounds like like we're going uh, about this, ah, uh, when this first first happened. We basically had a show for, huh, thank you, Flea Flicker. We basically clapped for an hour and said, thank you. So, yes, uh, we are going to have some, is this guy an edge? Is he not overall?
1: It's positive movement for the industry, that's for sure.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Very much.
0: <clears throat> All right, so as we get close to wrapping it up, Paul, are there other All names right. you want to throw out?
2: Um, I'll do the dynasty ones, uh, quickly. Um, if they're a name that we've mentioned, I probably won't, won't hit on them beyond it. Um, but dynasty rankings, I had Nick number one, TJ two, Joey number three. Um, it's, it's just always an interesting when somebody from the big 10 heads out West, they're normally a one man bombing crew. There's your Ted Kaczynski (laughs) reference. I made sure and slipped it in. Daniil Hunter, number four. Um, Rudolph's Head is number five. Josh Allen is six. The one guy we haven't hit on yet, Chase Young, number seven. Um, He might be number one after this year. Washington might re-sign everyone on the defensive line, and he's not nearly as high from a fantasy perspective as what he is ranked right now. How do you guys uh, feel about him from a fantasy perspective? Sky's, you know, I want to see Craig, it.
0: Craig's, a, Craig's always a want to see it to believe it kind of guy. He says that about a lot of the, a lot of the rookies. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, you know, and, and all signs point to him starting early. I mean, and being heavily involved. So love the player. Seven feel fair? Does seven we're, feel we're fair? We're talking dynasty right now, so you're you're projecting like, hey, I yes. expect this guy to be one of the top defensive end edge guys in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the better athletes that- and one of the better edge guys in the league. Um, you know, if we're looking at a dynasty perspective, I think he could be for sure.
2: Craig?
1: I wouldn't have him that high as far as if we're talking edge position, just because I think – you got to have such a ridiculous year from a real defensive end to get to that that sort of level, and then to maintain that consistency. I don't see it happening for him. I think he's going to have amazing years, and I think he is a great talent. But I don't see him. If we're talking defensive ends, and you had him number seven, I wouldn't have a problem. But when you're throwing in the, that uh, those linebackers, those outside linebackers, I I don't see him getting that high consistently. So I'd have him a bit lower, but. And again, I, why I'm this way with my defense when with my offense, I just go with my gut with all these guys that are all just, you know, combine all-stars and statistical, oh, look at this guy's measurables and all that. I I couldn't tell you why I have that offensive-defensive split. But for the defense, yeah, I, I'd like to see it before I just throw someone up there.
2: It's actually really funny seeing that in, in someone who's – been in leagues with this guy for 15 years it's actually it's actually hilarious on the offensive side conservative conservative or i'm sorry on the offensive side he goes height weight speed i love this guy yep on the defensive side it's oh todd davis mr i mean if he's not released oh he gets me tackles and you know just the floor guy i love him it's interesting seeing the split. Um, I will finish uh, the list here. At number eight, I got Mad Max. Number nine, Harold Landry to Chubb. Yannick, I threw behind him. We somewhat discussed him. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he signs. Um, any of you guys have any perspective beyond that? Besides just wanting to see his landing spot next year
0: yeah i definitely want to see his landing spot you know and i would encourage anybody that's listening to to go to rotoheat.com and check out our rankings they're not specifically for edge but you it's very similar you know other than factor in the fact that a lot of these outside linebackers are going to get a bump especially the three four outside linebackers will get a bump you know but you can see our rankings there and really get a feel for who we like and as you can tell between those two lists of redraft and dynasty there, i mean they're a lot of the same names pop up, you know, and, you, and the the only guys that we haven't really mentioned are guys like the Shaq Barrett of the world who popped off for a year, and I remember on Monday show, you guys said it, and, and I, I agree with it, that, you know, he was like the fifth-year breakout, like Devontae Parker, is he really, you know, something, or is it just kind of a one-year type deal, so, you know, guys yeah. like that, we just stay cautious on, you know, yeah, they did great, and they still have the opportunity, because Tampa's defense is pretty well intact, and they added some pieces, but... Um, you know, rotoheat.com, we got all your rankings. We got all that stuff you can check out. Craig, what uh, what else do you want to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're a contender and you're looking for someone that you can get probably cheap at an edge position – you know, Carlos Dunlap, it feels like he's been around forever, and same with Justin Houston. They're not really that old, but it just seems like because they've started playing and they were producing at a young age and now they're getting up there in age. But those are both guys that if you're looking at our scoring would have been, you know, top twenty five in edge last year. Um, not sexy names, you know, out there anymore, but they're consistent and they're gonna be nice plays for you. They both have situations that have improved for them since last year with, you know, help along the defensive line. So uh, it's a couple guys that I like, and then both the guys off the Packers. You know, the, Their position really hasn't changed a whole lot. They have one of those guys that should produce a middle linebacker there with them. It's um, just a matter of are they going to have uh, the same sort of second-year production that they surprised, quite frankly, a lot of people with what they did last year. So can they keep it up?
0: So more of your four guys? Yeah. Um, Potentially, yeah.
2: I don't have a problem with the floor guys. Um, obviously that was the first list that these would be guys I'd consider in the next five to 10. Judon is on there also. Um, he's another one of those, what uh, fourth year, fifth year breakouts. Yeah, uh, We'll monitor him. If he pops off again. Great. If not, Okay, I didn't really have anything invested in there anyways. Um but finishing the uh the list here, I do have Sam Hubbard like like you guys had mentioned before, uh Chandler Jones, uh Cameron Jordan, and then at the end, um I put uh the two rookies last year. I couldn't decide which one I like more. Burns, who we've discussed before, and Cleland Farrell, who I think He played fine last year, but Mad Max just went out and earned it, you know, earned that nickname. Um, I think he's someone that you can get ridiculously cheap right now, and he does have the athletic upside, and when they draft you fourth overall, you're going to be seeing the field. Um... I, I like him from a fantasy, from a value perspective right now. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this is a hundred percent a hit, but where he was last year to where he is right now, I want that. A- any thoughts on those? Uh, I know I said four, but a- any thoughts on them? Five guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like Burns a lot. You know, I can't, I don't argue the, the value return on Farrell. Um, did did you include Montez Sweat in the dynasty ones? Those would be another guy I would think about if he's if he's on there.
2: I had mentioned it before. I did not. If I were going for it, maybe in the future, I, I'd probably have him over Yannick. I'd obviously have him over Jones and Jordan. Um. I think I prefer Farrell and Burns to Sweat. I'm a little concerned Sweat is too sack uh, dependent, but it wouldn't surprise me if we're discussing him at four or five next year either. I was a fan of him before he ran a four, three, nine or four, three, eight, whichever one it was. Um, I was a fan of him before the season. He obviously hit on the season, but I also think he had just a ton of help on the D line. He had what uh, one, um, Payne, Allen, and who is the other? Uh, oh yeah. yeah, Kerrigan. That's a lot of help that that he that he got. Um, I'm not saying that is a downer. I'm just saying. He had, what, eight, nine sacks? Maybe he probably had five or six. And the other seven, eight, nine were... They focused mm-hmm. on others without yeah. watching the film. On, but he had a tremendous um, amount of help that I can't say okay. for these others. Burns especially, he got okay. no help last year. So, um, was there anyone else that you guys had thought of that maybe should be mentioned
1: No, I mean, I did have a question for Brad, though, um, because we don't get to discuss them enough here on his Detroit Lions. So, you know, Flowers last year, if you're looking at it, was, you know, 33, 35, somewhere in there for Edge. And then uh, your rookie, Julian, Uh is it Aquara? Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about those guys going forward at all? I mean, do you think that's sort of where Flowers sits Given how you guys use your defensive line, are you expecting anything yeah, out of the rookie no, long term?
0: Okara, I'm. I have more interest in just because um, I like I like the player. I like this motor. I like you know his a lot of his moves. You know uh, I think he could develop. I just don't like the way Matt Patricia uses his defensive players. You know the lineman especially. You know Flowers gets bumped inside. He gets moved all over, and he's only like 260, so he gets manhandled at times. His motor isn't that strong in the first place. I mean, he's kind of up and down. And I'm I, i w- I'm not really sold on anybody on this defense. Uh, I like Tracy Walker, but he's a battering ram that gets hurt a lot. You know, I think Okuda will get picked on early in his career, but will become a shutdown corner. You know, so I, I don't – I mean, from a fantasy perspective, there literally is nobody on this defense that I have any interest in getting other than Okora, and that's more to see what the next coaching staff does because I pray – to all things that are holy that Matt Patricia's fired in the first few weeks of the season. I want him gone so bad. Like I would take Jim Caldwell in his inability to manage the clock and his lackluster responses to questions any day over Matt Patricia and just destroying this team's taking us from, you know, playoff contender to, you know, basement. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But Oquara is a player. So. I thought you had to have I thought you had to have something
2: to uh, to uh, kill it.
0: You know what? With Caldwell, they were consistently fighting for a playoff spot. At least that's something. Um, I personally, of all the coaches in my lifetime as a Lions fan, Jim Schwartz has by far been my favorite. I mean, the guy is the guy had such a motor that Jim Harbaugh touched his back and he got pissed and wanted to beat him down. Like I mean, I loved his fire. You know, he he really stunk it up once he got to the playoffs. Obviously, the Saints just manhandled us. The Seahawks just demolished us, but I liked his motor and I liked his fire and I liked the way he coached. Um, I hated to see him go, but other than that, I mean, we just haven't really had much luck. I mean, Caldwell is a is a players guy, like he the players really loved him. But I can go into the whole spiel about how much I cannot stand Detroit Lions. I don't know why I like them. I'm in Indiana. I should just say I'm a Colts fan, but but the, but the Lions <laughs> and couldn't uh, couldn't couldn't do it as much as as much as I hate you know. The fact that my team is never, never all that great.
1: It's all right. It's always next year. Thanks.
2: I actually have uh, flowers. (laughs) I actually have uh, flowers on probably my most serious uh, threat at a ship this year. So I actually think flowers was, was maybe figuring it out last, last year there. And, and he might have a nice year. Obviously, I didn't list him on my redraft list, but I like him uh, from a fantasy perspective. I, th- I think you saw the floor last year and not the ceiling, and it's a solid enough uh, floor. It's not a huge one, but he's got a yeah, solid floor.
0: He Was looking at the ceiling a little too often.
1: Yeah, he has to have more consistency, like Brand said, and that's what I noticed just with how much they play yeah, him and the, where the, they play the top
0: him. Thing is, is it's what they have around him. So Flowers does well when he's got a space eater. And they have that because they brought over Shelton from New England. But I don't think Shelton's that great at it. So they took a, a, a weak Damon Harrison replacement, and they're going to throw him in there and hope that he can be half of what Damon Harrison was. Then on the other side, you've got a mixture of guys who are hurt all the time, and Sean Hand, and Austin Bryan, and, You know, then you're going to try to sprinkle in a little rookie action with Julian O'Quara and his brother, who has always hurt Romeo. It's like, I mean, teams are just going to be able to say, all right, Trey Flowers, try to beat us when we're double covering you. And we've got two offensive linemen on you when you're already smaller than our smallest offensive linemen. I mean, it's tough. Like, the inconsistency is just going to be so rampant in him that he's probably a DE3 with DE2 upside, and that's high DE2 upside, because he can get to the quarterback, he can make things happen, but if nobody on that defensive line steps up, then Trey Flowers is going to be fighting for his life all season, trying to get to the quarterback. And it's... Yeah. For me, the way Dy- the way our leagues are set up, I'll just go look elsewhere, let somebody else deal with that headache, because I would never know when I trust to start him, unless I'm facing, like, the Vikings, who offensive line is typically pretty bad, but that's even getting better.
1: No. I didn't mean to get you all worked up there. I just was curious because we don't talk about the Lions a yeah, whole sure. lot on our show here. I
0: because I don't respect the decisions we're <laughs> making enough to to warrant talking about them. Like, I just won't. All right.
1: Well, speaking of interesting decisions, Randy Gregory is conditionally reinstated for what is it the third time? So he'll be the savior of the Cowboys yet. Just wait.
0: Him, <laughs> him and Josh Gordon. There you go.
1: No. For me, they, they, they
0: yeah. can have their own variety show.
1: Well, they got Alden Smith, remember. It's him and Alden Smith that are going to save them.
2: <laughs> They're going to save each other? Maybe? They're
0: probably going to start a fight club in the locker room.
2: Hey,
1: Jerry's got to get that money he's losing back from uh, in game sales, so he's got to do something, I bet.
2: All right, he spent all that money for the uh, new place, and now he can't hold the events there. Yeah, he's... Crocky's sitting there like, I need a loan, man. I need a loan.
0: Oh, uh, we're at that point in the show where where we're where we're making fun of Jerry Jones, and I think it's time to end. Um, guys, it's been fun. It's always nice talking Edge. Um, as we get into the season, just for those of you that will listen or watch after the fact, uh, we're we're gonna be recording these Friday night to drop for the next week. So we'll talk about. Players that we're interested in starting, sitting, things like that. Uh, we Will not necessarily f- so much focus on on our rankings and things like that until we get back into the offseason. Um, during the season, we'll help you manage your teams. We'll talk trades that we're seeing, things like that. You know, really try to help you help be your in game manager with you or in season manager with you. Um, so you know, as always, check out RotoHeat.com. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Discord. Find us on Facebook. Uh, we can help you. You know, we want to be able to help you so find us ask the questions do all the things that you do uh, and as always like subscribe all the other things that we tell you to do on every video because you probably didn't hear it the first 70 times I said it so say it again uh, for Paul and Craig thank you guys as always for hanging out it's always a joy getting to chit chat with you and uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week see you. peace thanks for listening to the IDB Heat Seekers Podcast with Brad Menendez Craig Reith, and Paul Belton You can find us over on Twitter at RotoHeatFantasy or at RotoHeat.com.